We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. Today's show is a bit of a grab bag. I'm going to answer some questions that people have asked me recently concerning some of my commentary here on The Rebellion as well as my Washington Times columns. One of the key questions is this, is the vaccination the mark of the beast referred to in Revelation 13? I'll try to answer these questions and more on today's rebellion. Welcome to today's rebellion. You know, because I opened my big mouth uh, without much pause, both here on the rebellion as well as in my writing for the Washington Times and in my social media commentary, I get uh, questions, comments, agreement, and disagreement from many of you out there that are listening and reading. So today I thought I would respond to some of those comments and questions. I guess the point is to give those of you listening right now some perspective. Yes, I do read many of these questions. Some I don't. If they're just vitriolic and nasty, and if they have zero thought behind them, sometimes I read the first sentence or so and just discard it. Um, It's kind of like the policy I had when I was a college president. If I received an anonymous letter, I wouldn't read it. I would just throw it in the wastebasket. So if you ever sent me an anonymous note, hard copy, snail mail, anonymous note, and you just signed it a concerned friend or a concerned donor or alumnus with no name, I'm sorry to disappoint you, but I didn't even read it. Because if I looked at the bottom and saw that, I just threw it away. My rationale there was, and still is, if you don't have the courage to put your name on something, then... I don't have to take the time to read it. And I don't apologize for that. I think that's a good policy, actually. Because generally, when somebody does that, they're guilty of, number one, gossip. Number two, obviously, they're not taking responsibility for their concern. And I don't think that is uh, acting like an adult. (laughs) Go read my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. It's almost as if you need to feel safe in your anonymity and you're not willing to take the step out onto the ice, if you will, of adulthood and risk being identified. I just don't respect that. But today isn't really about that because the comments that I'm going to uh, make today are in reference to actual emails, um, Facebook communiques, messages and whatnot that I've received Uh, with regard to things I've said and things that I've written. Now, there is a degree of anonymity in these because when somebody just provides their email address, you really don't know who they are. Um, But I'm still going to respond to a couple of those. Some of the comments that I'll try to get to today are thoughtful and um, well-intentioned. One or two of them are just stupid. 
<laughs> I'm going to respond to those very quickly. Uh, not to try to be snarky and mean-spirited, but to give you an idea as to how quickly you can you can just deal with these foolish comments, how quickly they can be uh, responded to, because they're just fallacious. They make no sense. And there's nothing wrong with you just saying so. There's nothing wrong with you saying, this makes no sense. You're not even attending to my argument. This is nothing but a distraction. This is nothing but a non sequitur. This is a straw man. This is an ad hominem. This is an an populum. If you don't understand what those are, then you need to go back and read your freshman philosophy 101 Socratic logic lesson. That's often the response I have to people who just ignore the argument of an article and launch into their diatribe against me because of Donald Trump. <laughs> the article has nothing to do with Donald Trump. And as you know, if you've listened to me for five seconds, I was critical of Donald Trump when he deserved it. All right. So let's take a break. And when I get back, I'll deal with a grab bag of questions and comments. And I'm going to start out with this question I received, which was a thoughtful question. It wasn't nasty. It wasn't acerbic. It wasn't mean-spirited. It wasn't condescending. It was from a listener who contacted me. I can't remember whether it was Facebook or email or Twitter. I can't remember. It doesn't matter. He contacted me and he said, what do you think about this argument that the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, is the mark of the beast? And I'll give you my response to that. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I will be right back in a couple minutes. Welcome back to The Rebellion. So the COVID vaccine and the COVID crisis, the pandemic, has changed the world. I think you would have to be living under a rock to ignore that fact. I mean, if I would have told you 24 months ago, I'm trying to think of the time frame. Let's go back 24 months. You know, a blink of an eye, actually. If I would have told you 24 months ago, look, here's what's coming. The free world will shut down. We will be quarantined to our houses. We will be required to wear masks to engage in anything in the public square. Restaurants will shut down. Schools will shut down. The campaign for the presidency of the United States will be greatly affected by this because the man who will ultimately win will essentially hide in his basement during the entire campaign season for fear of contracting a disease, and therefore he won't engage with the public. If I would have told you that, if I would have told you that, you know, small town mayors would arbitrarily and unilaterally, dictatorially create laws that would result in you being fined and even jailed if you were to jog in the local public park without a mask, or if you were to do so after quarantine time, which is exactly what happened here in Miami, Oklahoma. I mean, this even in Oklahoma, this stuff was happening. Tulsa, Oklahoma. G.T. Bynum, the mayor of Tulsa, Oklahoma, who, in my opinion, is nothing but a little Napoleon, a man who has an inferiority complex that is uh, 
so obvious in the way he governs, the way he exercises authority, the way he, in his woke righteousness, tells everybody else what they will do. I mean, the COVID crisis, the pandemic, exposed his despotic nature in spades, and the man supposedly is a Republican. I mean, the stories are replete across the nation. So in the midst of all of this stuff going on, when the world changed, the last 24 months, the world changed. And we went along with it. We bowed the knee. We bowed the knee. The government said, do it, so we did it. His grand and glorious Anthony Fauci told us that you were not supposed to wear a mask one day, and then the next day he says, well, you are supposed to wear a mask. In fact, wear two, wear three, the more the merrier. And we went along with it. And anybody who dared to raise their hand and say, wait a second, this doesn't make any sense, was labeled a tinfoil conspiracy theorist. Well, you're just a nut job. You're not listening to the science. And say, you'd say, well, wait a second. The, the science says this, and you were disparaged. You were mocked. You were ridiculed. When you ask logical questions like, this, what, where did this come from? Why are we, why are we shadow banning people who write about just the possibility? We don't know for sure, but the possibility that this virus came out of a lab in Wuhan, China, for suggesting that you were a nut job, you were a right wing deplorable, you lacked gray matter, you couldn't think your way out of a paper bag, and now we find out that indeed that's exactly what did happen. This thing was created in a lab. And when Fauci said, well, we didn't have anything to do with it, the NIH and I, Anthony Fauci, didn't have anything to do with funding this gain-of-function research in the Wuhan lab that maybe did result in this virus leaking out and becoming a pandemic across the entire globe. When, when we questioned Fauci on that, we were, we were challenged as being Again, conspiracy theorists and crazy folk. And now we find out that Fauci was lying to us and that Rand Paul was right all along. Well, one of the key questions that comes up in this whole story, this whole narrative, if you're biblically literate at all, the question comes up of Revelation 13, where it says, it says this, and I'm going to read a couple different translations. Not that I think these translations are all of equal value, because I don't, but I'm going to read a couple of them that I, for example, the message. I'm not all that fond of the message, but I'm going to read what it says on this verse, just to give you that perspective. Um, I think uh, I think that's okay today. I for, for those of you who care, I actually think the ESV, the English Standard, Standard Version, the ESV is uh, the best translation, or at least one of the best translations out there. And please, if you're not a Christian, don't say, oh, there you guys go, you've got all your different translations. Oh, please, that actually proves the veracity of Scripture. It doesn't prove that the Scriptures are weak, because we do have different translations, and we do recognize, we do recognize that trying to find the best way to translate from the original languages is the best way to convey the original message, because the original message is one that is indeed inspired by the Holy Spirit and given as revelation of God to man. I believe that. I believe that. And I think that is confirmable time and time again. 
The words of Scripture are true. They are inerrant, infallible, authoritative, and true. The primacy of Jesus Christ and the priority of Scripture. Jesus is the Son of God and the Bible is the Word of God. Those are two of my pillars of life, if you will, and we've talked about that in the show before. The four pillars of my life are the primacy of Christ, the priority of Scripture, the pursuit of truth, and the practice of wisdom. Again, I've done shows on this. So anyway, back to the question of Revelation. Now, Revelation is part of the Bible, okay? So if you are a Christian, no matter what stripe, what denomination you claim, if you are a Christian, you have to subscribe to the Bible. Because if you disparage the the Bible, excuse me, if you disparage the Bible, if you demean it, if you diminish it, then you're going to lose your Christianity because the Bible is what defines Christianity. You say, well, the Holy Spirit and the revelation of God defines Christianity. Yes, that's true, but how did the Holy Spirit do that? How did the triune God decide to reveal himself to us? He did it through Scripture, the Word of God. That's why it's called the Word of God, folks. It's the Word of God. It's the revelation of God. It's that objective revelation of God to man that's given to us so that we can read it and digest it, understand it, and therefore craft our faith, ground our faith, anchor our faith within it. There's a reason that Jesus is called the Word made flesh and dwelling among us, the Logos, the Word, the Revelation, okay? So, the Revelation. The last book of the Bible is Revelation. This is a book that was revealed to the Apostle John in his later years on the island of Patmos. Now, John is the only disciple that didn't suffer a violent death. Now, he did suffer violence. Tradition says that he was actually boiled in oil and survived it. That's not written up in the Bible, but church tradition, church history teaches that he was tortured greatly. And we do know that it is biblical that he was exiled. He was actually imprisoned on a prison island, a work island, a a prison camp on the island of Patmos, on a rock out in the Mediterranean, if you will. So what does Revelation tell us? Well, there are points in Revelation that are very clear, and there's also a lot in Revelation, as you know, that is cryptic and that's difficult to understand because it's apocryphal language. It's language that's written in code in a way. Um, Now, some theologians will argue that Revelation was written for its time. In other words, it was written in this code language so that it could be shared within the church um, without putting the church in as much danger as they would have been otherwise. In other words, if an enemy of the church, if uh, the Roman Empire and all of its officials that were persecuting the church at the time got a hold of this book, they the people reading it wouldn't understand it and wouldn't know what to do with it. Um, there could be some truth to that, but to claim that it was only written for that time and that day and that it doesn't have any prophetic Um, truth to offer to us in our time, in our day, is a great error, in my view. I do not subscribe to, well, it was written for the first century church in apocryphal language, excuse me, in apocryphal language, and therefore we need to read it within the context of the first century church only, and that's what it applied to. No, no, all of the Bible applies to you and me today, and Revelation was perhaps written to the first century church. Of course it was, because they read it. The, the first century church benefited from it. 
but it was also written to you and me. So it not only told the story of its time and place then, but it tells the story of a future time and place now and even beyond now. So back to Revelation 13. This is a verse that has caused some people to raise an eyebrow recently. I'm going to read it to you from the King James Version. It says that no man might buy or sell save he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now that's the King James Version, Revelation 13, 17. The American Standard Version says this, and that no man should be able to buy or sell save that he hath the mark, even the name of the beast or the number of his name. Now let's go on and go down to uh, the ESV. I said that was my translation. That's the Bible that I use on a daily basis. I do use other translations, but the ESV is my go-to. So that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark, that is, the name of the beast or the number of its name. So you're seeing that the various translations do not compromise what the Bible is revealing to us, what God reveals to us in Scripture. Um, The... uh, Let's see, the Phillips, the Phillips translation, which is more extensive. Uh, Then it compels all, small and great, rich and poor, free men and slaves, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads. The purpose of this is that no one should be able to buy or sell unless he bears the mark of the name of the animal or the number of its name. Understanding is needed here. Let every thinking man calculate the number of the animal. It is the number of a man, and its number is 666. So there you get the reference to 666. Now the message says this. The second beast worked magical signs, dazzling people by making fire come down from heaven. And it used the magic it got from the beast to dupe earth dwellers, getting them to make an image of the beast and received the death blow and lived. It was able to animate the image of the beast so that it talked and then arranged that anyone not worshiping the beast would be killed. It forced all people, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to have a mark on the right hand or forehead. Without the mark, or the name of the beast, or the number of its name, it was impossible to do what? You've got it. Buy or sell. So here's the question. I received this note from a friend, not somebody who was being snarky. I don't know the man personally, but I received a reasonable note. And he said this, I'm hearing a lot of folks claim that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast. Uh, What do you think? Can you respond? Do you agree? And then he offered this. He said, personally, I think that's bunk. I don't think it's the mark of the beast, but I'm curious as to what you think. Well, here's my response. Now, I want to make this clear. Um, I'm not a theologian, okay? Now, some of you may be surprised by that because I talk about religion and Christianity and orthodoxy and a biblical worldview ad nauseum on this radio show. I'm, but I'm not a theologian. I am not a trained theologian. So if you define a theologian as someone who has a degree in theology, I don't have one. 
My degrees are in human development theory. My undergraduate degree is in psychology. My graduate degree is in college student personnel. So moral development and cognitive development of 18 to 21 year olds. My PhD is in higher ed administration, pedagogy, and andragogy. So adult learning, higher education, administration, and teaching, curriculum, structure, etc. Now, all of those degrees have a common thread of human development, moral development, cognitive development. That's, that's who I am. Okay. That's, those, that's how worthless those degrees are. Like my son said when I got my PhD, well, you're a doctor, but not a real doctor. You can't really fix anybody. It was so true. It's so true. Out of the mouth of babes, out of the mouth of children, there's so much wisdom. Painful though it may be. So back to the question. Uh, What do I think of this claim that the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast that's referred to in Revelation 13? More specifically, as I said, Revelation 13, 17. Revelation chapter 13, verse 17, where we're told that there will come a time where you will not be able to buy or sell. You will not be able to engage in the market, in, in public transactions. You won't be able to buy bread. You won't be able to buy anything unless you have a mark. So is the is the uh, virus, is the COVID vaccine that mark? Well, my friend said he thinks that's bunk. Well, I don't know if I'd use the word bunk, but I, I agree with him. I don't think the COVID vaccine is the mark. Um, now, I, I, I do think it's possible that it's setting us up for that mark. And by setting up, I mean softening the public awareness, the public consciousness, our uh, body politic, our our souls, our minds, to the very idea of government control and government-imposed brands or marks that would uh, give us the privilege of engaging in buying and selling, going shopping, going to the grocery store, getting your food, going into the public square. You know, again, if I would have told you 24 months ago that you wouldn't be able to go buy groceries unless you had proof of vaccination, you would have laughed at me. You said, that'll never happen, not in the free world. Well, here it is. You've read the stories of Australia, for example. They're building internment camps for people that haven't been vaccinated. The premier of Australia is saying, that they will not allow people to engage in commerce, in buying and selling, unless they have the mark, have a mark that verifies that they've been vaccinated. So we obviously have been softened up across the free world, whether it be Australia, whether it be France, whether it be Spain or Great Britain, whether it be the United States or Canada. We've been softened up to this very idea, this argument that, well, you should have to have a mark to go to the grocery store, to go to Walmart, to go walk in the park. If you don't have a mark, if you don't have proof of of vaccination, then you should be restricted to your home or you should not be able to go to work, or you should even lose your job. I mean, Joe Biden just announced last week this requirement that if you work for a company that employs over 100 people, that it is now the law of the land that you get vaccinated and you have to provide proof of vaccination 
to continue to engage in employment. So this is getting frighteningly close to this Bible verse, isn't it? Again, I'm going to read it to you. I'm going to read it to you out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Now, why do I say I don't believe the COVID vaccine is the mark of the beast? Because of the last portion of this verse. Okay, it says, so that no one can buy or sell unless he has the mark. That is the name of the beast or the number of its name. Now, there's nothing that requires you to sign off and pay allegiance, pay homage, bow and worship the beast, whatever that is. Now, you could dispute what the beast will be, but at this point in getting the vaccine, you do not pay homage to the beast. You do not have to worship the beast. You do not have to say, I will take this vaccine because of the beast, because of any particular individual or leader. And therefore, I don't think the COVID vaccine could be the mark of the beast because there's no reference to the beast and you don't have to pay homage to the beast, allegiance to the beast. You don't have to worship the beast in order to get the vaccine. Therefore, I agree with my friend when he says the mark of the beast cannot be the COVID vaccine and the vaccine cannot be the mark of the beast. I agree with that. However, isn't this really softening you up and me up, your family up, to buy the argument that you can't buy or sell unless you take a mark, unless you have a card, unless you have a digital tattoo on your wrist or on your forehead. I mean, why carry a piece of plastic when you could be digitally implanted with proof of fill in the blank? And if you have to pay allegiance to someone or something, some person or some government, in order to get that digital tattoo, now we're in that territory of you can't buy or sell unless you take his mark. Are we there yet? I don't think so. Has this opened the door? Big time. Big time. And who can dispute that? In fact, as a little boy, as a Little boy, I I often wondered, how could we ever get there where the entire world would agree to take a mark on their forehead or on their hand? Who would do that? How could we ever come to the point, especially in the United States of America, where we would actually agree to do that in order to just go get groceries? Some government official in some despotic land might try to impose that, like somebody from China or... North Korea or Cambodia, somebody might try to get away with it there, but not in the United States. Well, here we are. Here we are, aren't we? We're knocking on the door. We're knocking on the door of this very concept of not being able to buy or sell unless you have that mark. So that's my view. That's my answer to that question. Maybe I'll deal with other questions and comments in tomorrow's show and those thereafter. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.